Amen. Thank you so much, choir. Let's express our appreciation to him one more time. Great job. Great job. Thank you all very much. Wonderful, wonderful message in song this morning. Grab your bulletins real quickly, please. want to make you aware of what's happening this month at First Christian Church. The next two Sundays are uh, important Sundays. We have a lot of visitors in the house. Both Sundays next week is the Class Act Kids presentation of the musical That's So Daniel. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a great message with the musical. It will take place at 8.15 and 11 o'clock. And then two weeks from today, one service Sunday, 9.30 a.m., we're going to continue our annual tradition that we call Remembrance Sunday. Kent will be reading the names of loved ones lost. And again, we'll have a lot of visitors that are with us that day. I want to just encourage you to be friendly, outreach, encourage, lift up, pat on the back. Um, and just really make people feel welcome at First Christian Church. In your bulletin, I want to highlight a couple of announcements that are taking place. The first is this Wednesday, the Clinton Rotary Club, which I am a part of, and many of the members of our church are a part of. We're hosting a drive through chicken dinner. You can see the details right here. Our office is selling those tickets, uh, along with several other businesses here in town. Uh, or you can just call me and we'll get you a ticket or two. It's a wonderful dinner, but the best news of all is all the money that's raised goes to support the local food pantries, and all the food that is left actually comes to our food pantry, and then on Thursday, we're able to hand that out. Last year, we were able to give away, like, what, 75 dinners, I think, a a large amount, so it's a great cause that directly benefits one of our most important ministries here at First Christian Church. So husbands, what a great Mother's Day present today to buy a couple tickets for dinner on Wednesday. Uh, The other announcement that I want to highlight is once again, we are gathering cereal for Little Galilee Christian Camp. I can't believe that camp is just around the corner. I think the main weeks of camp kick off in a month, but I think family camp is less than two weeks away. And last summer we were able to help Little Galilee buy very little cereal through the through the summer, you can see the, the brands that they're looking for, the types of cereal that they're looking for. Uh, if you could donate an, uh, a box of cereal or two, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Well, today begins a six-week sermon series, and, and today's going to kind of be an appetizer sermon, I'm calling it. I'm going to give you an overview of what we're going to be studying over the next six weeks. And the title of the sermon series is Women of the Faith. And you may be sitting there wondering, maybe you're a man, or or maybe you've just never heard of such a sermon series. Why would we want to spend five Sundays, really six Sundays if you count today, looking at women of the faith? I had a couple ministry friends kind of busting my chops this week as I announced where I was going with this, saying, well, what about the men? What are they going to get from it? Well, here is why we are having such a sermon series. Much can be learned from studying key women of the faith. There is much to be learned from studying the women. And I'm going to give you the list in just a moment. But uh, I I really hope you will embrace this sermon series. I really hope that you will invite others to join you. Uh, I'm really excited about the five, actually six women that we're going to be studying. And I need to tell you, it could have been a 13-week sermon series. It could have been a 15-week sermon series. And I guarantee you, you will be blessed if you dive in and, and together allow us to really study what made these women so special. 
What was it about their life? What was it about their calling? What was it about their decisions that they made that make them models for all of us today? So let's put the list of the women that we're going to be studying up on the screen right now. Two weeks from today, one service Sunday, Memorial Day weekend, 9.30 a.m., we're going to look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. Then we're going to look at Ruth from the book of Ruth. Many of you, I asked for help on Facebook and via email. Many of you said you really wanted to hear a message on Ruth. Uh, week three on June 10, we're going to look at Esther. I actually wasn't going to, to preach on Esther, even though it's a compelling, compelling narrative. Great, great story from the time that uh, Israel and Judah uh, ha- have been sold into slavery, and they're, they're no longer a, a free nation. Um, but so many of you said, I want to hear from Esther. We just looked at the story of Esther about 18 months ago. We're going to look at her life again. Week four will be the story of Hannah from 1 Samuel chapter 1 and, and just her passion for prayer and the, the fact that she was able to pour her broken heart out to the Lord. That's a model for many of us. When we go through tough times, we struggle to really be honest with each other, to be honest with those who are closest with each other, and even to be honest with God. Hannah's a great model. She, she just laid it all before the Lord, and the Lord heard her prayer, and the Lord answered her prayer. And then week 5, June 24, we're going to look at Lydia and Priscilla. And there's two different stories from the book of Acts. This is during the time of the missionary journeys, and I'll talk about them a little bit later. So this morning, what I want to do for just a couple minutes, and don't be nervous, don't be afraid. We're going to get out on time. I know it's Mother's Day. I know you have things to do. But real quickly, I want to just whet your appetite Uh, why we're studying these five women of the faith. Number one, Mary, the mother of Jesus. In in Luke chapter 1, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. In Luke chapter 1, Mary, who's a teenager at the time, receives this great vision from the angel Gabriel. And we only see angels named a couple times in Scripture. This is one of the times. And, And the angel comes to Mary and says, Don't be afraid, Mary. You've found favor with God. You'll be with child. You'll give birth to a son. And you're to give him the name Jesus. He'll be great. We'll be called the Son of the Most High, the Lord God will give him the throne of his, father's da- of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Most teenage girls that I know are worried about things like, who am I going to go to prom with? Am I going to be able to figure out my geometry homework? And can, can I make sure that I stay in good graces with my mom and dad? This teenage girl, even though she's a virgin, is being told here, You're going to give birth to a child. Oh, by the way, this child is no ordinary child. This son is hope. This son is the Savior. This son is the Messiah. If I was Mary, if you were Mary, the temptation would have been to say thanks, but no thanks. Send somebody else. This mission is too much for me. But the big idea that I want you to see as as we study this is Mary overcame obstacles like fear, like doubt. To be used by the Lord in the greatest and most miraculous way possible. I would make the case that in the Bible, 66 books chalked full of miracles, the virgin conception is one of the two most important miracles in all of Scripture, along with the resurrection. And look at what Mary's response was. This is really the key verse that we're going to look at in two weeks. I have this on a placard in my office. Nothing is impossible with God. And maybe you're here today and, and, and maybe you're, you're wrestling with something in your life. Maybe you're not a Christ follower. 
Maybe you're here because you had to be. It's Mother's Day, and mom said you're coming to church, or you wanted to honor your mom or your grandma, and, and you're not really sure what all of this means. Let me give you this verse. Nothing is impossible with God. God spends a lot of time working in the miraculous. God spends a lot of time answering prayers and using ordinary men and women like you and me, to do great things for his kingdom. That's in two weeks. Three weeks, first Sunday of June, we're going to look at Ruth. And we're actually starting in the New Testament, and then we're going all the way back to the eighth book of the Old Testament. You might want to flip there right now in your Bible to the book of Ruth. Ruth is a very short book, and it's during the time of the judges. Many of you will remember studying the judges. Who who are some of the great judges that we've studied? Women like Deborah, men like Samson, and Jephthah, and Gideon. And the thing about the time of the book of Judges is you had this little cycle playing out in the life of God's people. They would sin, God would get upset with them and would oppress them, usually by a foreign nation of some sort. They would find out after a while, we brought this on ourselves, we caused this, and they would cry out in repentance to God, and God would raise up a deliverer. So you see this cycle playing out over the decades of the, the period of the judges, uh, sin, oppression, repentance, deliverance. It's during this period that we see the story of Ruth. And the story of Ruth is really unique because Ruth is not a Hebrew. Ruth is a foreigner. And Ruth finds herself in the midst of crisis. Her mother-in-law, Naomi, loses her husband, and she and her sister had married brothers, and they both die. And Naomi gathers them together, and it's, it's a sad time. Lots of funerals taking place. And Naomi says to Orpah and to Ruth, you all are still young enough to go find a husband, move on your way, head on out. Life can still bless you. And Orpah says, okay, and there's a really cool story about maybe the most famous woman in America related to the name Orpah. You have to come June 3rd to learn that. But we're not studying Orpah. We're studying Ruth. Ruth says, I'm not going anywhere. The big idea that we're going to look at June 3rd is this. Ruth's loyalty to her mother-in-law, Naomi, it's a model for every single one of us. The Lord blesses her because of this loyalty. And as we conclude the book of Ruth on June 3rd, you're not going to believe the legacy that she is able to leave. And here's the key verse, and many of you will know these verses when we put them up on the screen. This is Ruth's prayer to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. Two of the most beautiful verses in all of Scripture about relationship commitment right here. Now, maybe you've heard these read at a wedding or a vow renewal or some sort of a ceremony like this. This is mother-in-law, daughter-in-law language here. But it's a model for each and every one of us. Number three, week three, June 10, we're going to look at Esther. And Esther, the book of Esther, is just a couple books ahead of Ruth. If you're looking in your Bible, it's around the book of Job, just to give you a point of reference. But chronologically, it's after the fall of Israel to Assyria and after the fall of Judah to Babylon. We're talking ballpark here, 500 B.C., And what has happened during this time is the Hebrew people are at risk 
of becoming extinct. You may say, how can an entire people become extinct? That's because a plot has been hatched. And the plot is that all of the Jews will be wiped out simply because they fear the Lord. Simply because they worship the Lord. And there's a young girl by the name of Hadassah. She's also known as Esther. And she has kind of the the, the dream event of anyone's life happen to her. The king Xerxes decides, I'm tired of my queen. Vashti, she is out of here. And he actually puts on like a six-month beauty pageant to try to find who will be the next queen of Persia. And lo and behold, it's Hadassah, Esther, that is chosen. So she finds herself from just a very common person in the kingdom to queen. And she learns of this plot. And she learns that if she doesn't act, not only will her uncle Mordecai die, not only will many of her friends and family die, she might even die. And so the big idea that we're going to look at on June 10 is this. Esther's decision to risk her safety and her life of luxury in order to save her uncle and all of the Jews. It's a model of courage under fire for all people of faith. And I want to just throw this out there for us this morning. There are events that are unfolding and I believe will unfold in the life of our country over the next several months. Maybe the next couple years that are going to challenge people of faith to to really ask, how important is our faith? Are we willing at times to draw a line in the the sand? Are we willing to stand up and be heard, even though it might not be popular with our neighbor or family member or co-worker or fellow citizen? Are we willing to say, Faith is the most important thing in my life. My relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important thing in my life. God's word is truth for my life, regardless what courts may say. Regardless what what, what, um, legislation may pass. And so I want you to see this key verse from Esther 4.14. I love it. Mordecai, uncle, talking to Esther the queen. And he says, who knows? but that you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. I don't believe the book of of Esther is a series of coincidences. I don't believe it's true. I believe it's God's plan acting in a great and mighty and powerful way. And I think there's a lot of relevance for us in 2012. Number four, week four, Father's Day, June 10. We're going to look at the story of Hannah. And we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hannah's story is a unique story in many ways, but it's common in many ways. Because we all know people that that struggle with what Hannah was struggling with. Maybe you're here today on Mother's Day, and and you struggle like Hannah was struggling. Hannah couldn't have a baby. She wanted to have a baby. Her husband's other wife had a whole bunch of babies. She had her nose rubbed in it all, all the time. She was frustrated. She was heartbroken. And she decided at one point she needed to do something really, really extreme. So she went to the Lord, and she poured her heart out to the Lord. And before long, Eli the priest, the spiritual leader of the land during the day, arrives, and he sees her 
pouring out her heart to the Lord. And, and, and what do you think this priest would say to her, Eli? Good job, sweetheart. Way to go. Way to really be a woman of the faith. Now, here's what he says in verse 14. He says, how long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. She was so heartbroken. He thought she was smashed. He thought she'd had a couple bottles of Merlot on the way to the temple to pray. And I love Hannah's response. She says, not so, my Lord. I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine. I've not been drinking beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. And the big idea that I want you to see is that Hannah's story teaches us that God remembers us when our hearts are broken, even if it seems like we've been forgotten. Even if it seems like we've been forgotten. And we're going to do something different that week. The sermon's going to be at the, the, the beginning of the, the, the service that day, both services. And we're going to give you a chance to actively respond during the worship time. And I know some of you right now, you're getting really nervous. You're saying, what do I have to do? You don't have to do anything. But maybe, just maybe, you'll feel led. You'll feel called to respond actively and to say, God, here's my heart. Here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm working with. The key verse, 1 Samuel 1.10, it says, In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And if I wanted to put a word on that for you this morning, it's the word transparent. She didn't play the game that so many of us, myself included, try to play. The fine game. Everything's fine. I'm fine. You're fine. Everything's fine. She didn't play that game. She bore it all to the Lord. Week five. Week five. We're going to spend time in the book of Acts. We're going to look at an account from the second missionary journey in Acts 16 and from the third missionary journey, the very beginning of it, in Acts 18. It's the stories of Lydia and Priscilla. And if you've read your Bible for a long time and you're not recalling right now Lydia and Priscilla's stories, you're not alone. They're they're really obscure women in, in many ways, but I found their story very, very compelling as they made an incredible difference to the spread of the gospel. So on June 24, you're going to see this big idea. Lydia's decision to follow Christ leads her entire family to the Lord. Paul and Silas come to Philippi. They meet Lydia. She hears the gospel. She feared God already. She was trying to live for God already. She hears about Jesus and she says, I can't wait another day. And the next thing you know, her entire household is baptized and become followers of Christ. She didn't just make the decision. She brought her entire family with her. Priscilla, uh, along with her husband Aquila, their story is compelling Because they encounter Paul and Silas and many of the brothers. But they have an opportunity after Paul leaves them and starts out on the third missionary journey. They meet a young man by the name of Apollos. This is the first time that we learn about Apollos in scripture. Apollos was really drawn to this idea of Jesus. He was really intrigued by this idea of Jesus was the Savior. Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus is the difference maker, but he didn't understand it. And Priscilla and her husband Aquila take him under their wings, and they teach him 
all about the faith. And Apollos gets it, the light bulb is illuminated, and the next thing you know, he's on the next missionary journey. Missionary journey number three, leading people to the Lord. Many people believe that this Apollos is actually the author of the book of Hebrews. We don't know that, that's speculation, but this much we do know, Apollos is one of the great difference makers during the third and fourth missionary journeys. And the key verses that we're going to look at as it pertains to Lydia is Acts 16, 14, and 15, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. She and the members of her household were baptized. And in Acts chapter 18, verse 26, Priscilla and Aquila heard him, Apollos, and they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. And, and here's what I want to say about both of these people right here. It's really tempting in, in, in this day and age, and probably any day and age, to say the really important aspects of the faith, winning people to the Lord, leading people to the decision to be baptized and become followers of Jesus Christ, that, that's above my pay grade. That, that's not really my thing. That's the preacher's thing or the youth minister's thing or one of the minister's things or the elder's thing or the Sunday school teacher's things. And what I learned from studying both Lydia's life and Priscilla's life is they were very ordinary people that God used in an extraordinary way. But at the time, it just probably seemed like no big deal. At the time, it just seemed like uh, Priscilla and Aquila were bringing in a really nice young guy and telling him about Jesus. And maybe he went on to write the book of Hebrews. We know for sure he went on to lead thousands and thousands of people to the Lord. And, And so my question would be, is the next Apollos is the next Barnabas, is the next Paul, is the next Peter right here at First Christian Church. Maybe they're a junior high student. Maybe they're a senior high student. Maybe they're a young adult. Maybe they don't get it all right now. Maybe they drive you a little bit crazy at times. And yet maybe just maybe you're going to have an opportunity like Lydia, like Priscilla, to help people fall in love with Jesus, to help people better understand the faith. It's going to be an awesome five-week study. I hope you will join me each and every week. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And thank you for the women in our lives that made a difference spiritually for us. I'm just reminded of my mom this morning and the difference she made in my life. I'm reminded of my wife and the difference she continues to make in my life. In the lives of many. And so on this day that we honor mothers and grandmothers, we launch this study in key women of the faith. And it's my prayer this morning that, that we'll have many people from within our midst over these next five weeks, as these messages are presented, as the scriptures are read. Like Mary, they'll say, I'll overcome my fears and my doubt and be used by you. Like Ruth, they'll be a model for loyalty. Like Esther, they'll be men and women of courage. Like Hannah, we'll stop playing that game. We'll be transparent. We'll be open. We'll lay our our burdens and our struggles before your feet. And like Lydia and Priscilla, we'll say, here I am, Lord. Use me. Thank you most of all today for Jesus, your son. He's the reason we're here. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. It is invitation time as it is every Sunday here at First Christian Church. 
And if you have a decision to make for Jesus Christ, can I invite you?